Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, welcome back to the show. It is Shira. Ryan is out and Char is here with me. Yes, and I'm having a fantastic Thursday. Yeah. It's a good day. I agree. I worked out at 7 a.m. Is that why you came in with rosy cheeks? Uh, I think I'm just Oh, that was hours later. It was hours later. But uh, it was hard. Let me tell you, my body is fighting it, but then it always feels better after the fact, right? But like during it, I literally had a moment where I thought I was going to cry. Yeah, I hate working out. I mean, I'll do like the the heavy incline on the treadmill at like a fast rate. And I like Pilates, but only on the machine. I like being on like that twin size mattress sliding up and down. But I got to tell you, this morning I was tagged in a post because I am featured on Miss Tina Knowles Lawson's Instagram. Okay. Tell someone who, tell people who that is. That's Beyonce's mom. Tina Knowles. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I thought you said someone else, and then you talked about um, another talent before this during the break, and so I thought that was the No, person. I'm on Beyonce's mom's what? Instagram. How? Because now I'm post- freaking out. She posted a clip from the Tamron Hall show when Mary J. Blige was a guest. I was in the audience that day. Okay. And so it's a close-up shot of me clapping, so I, I count hey, that. Hey, whatever. So, yeah. That, that is fun. It's a great day, and I got my friend's book. Well, I shouldn't say my friend. We're not friends. We've worked together. Mimi Zoo. Uh, she has a new book out titled Be Not Afraid of Love, Lessons on Fear, Intimacy, and Connection. Oh, perfect for you. And I've flipped through. <laughs> oh, perfect for us, girl. You ain't got all the answers over I'm there just because you're over there with a man. I know. Um, but no, this is, it's really good for what I saw, like good. what I flipped through, and hopefully we'll have her on the show I tomorrow. Check out. Oh, really? Well, wow, Fingers quick. crossed. All right. Love it. Yeah. Love that for us. Well, lots coming up on the show. As always, uh, who will benefit the most from Biden's student loan relief plan? That is in 30 minutes. And also at 3.20 p.m. Pacific, 6.20 p.m. Eastern, California is moving to ban something. Ban something by 2035. How it could impact you. I'm not going to tell you what. Okay. (laughs) It's something that you use every single day. You you basically are there a lot of the day, actually. Hopefully it's not toothbrushes or bars of soap. Mm, I I guess you'll have to wait and see. All right, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. A school district in Texas has voted to ban discussion of trans people and gender fluidity, as well as the teaching of critical race theory, as part of a series of policies targeting LGBTQ youth in schools and removing books from school libraries. The sweeping decision came after an almost four-hour-long public comment period in which over 150 participants from the district chimed in on the proposals. And here's one of them. I can't stand here tonight and say that I'm excited to be a part of it right now. It's so disappointing that our kids can't walk in 
to what should be a safe place for all of them. All of our families should feel welcome walking through our doors. All of our kids should feel that way. By banning inclusive books, which they are, by banning inclusive language in our schools, you're taking away representation. Representation is part of safety. I'm happy someone got it. But too bad I mean, that these work. conversations are cyclical. They're cyclical because they're said about every group. Yes, representation. They know this. This is all just political gaslighting. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm. All right. Well, moving on to the school board in Uvalde, Texas, who unanimously voted to fire police chief Pete Arredondo hmm. uh, yesterday over police response to the May school shooting that left 19 children and two teachers dead. The move to fire Arredondo, who has been on an administrative leave since June, follows the release of an investigative report by a Texas House committee that found systemic failures and egregious poor decision making. You don't say. Yeah, by local officials at the scene of the tragedy. There's also students, Uvalde students, that are calling for the more badges of people because, you know, there's a whole, you know, police department that failed those kids. It took a long time. I'm, I'm just so surprised that he did not step down. Like, people were on his on his butt about this. Yeah, well, that's why he took a leave. And you should have stepped down, down fully. He should have resigned. And finally, we reported about this when it happened. Um, the anti-gay church that put on an unauthorized version of Hamilton is being forced to pay to the creative team of the musical. But the damages will be used to make a donation to the South Texas Equality Project, a local LGBTQ support organization. So there you go. At least someone benefits from it. The right people now. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my gosh, you all. This is freaking devastating. I was just Hmm. when we left studio yesterday and this this came across my phone. I wanted to scream. Barbie Ferreira has announced that she will not be returning to HBO's Euphoria for season three. Yes, you heard me right. Euphoria's classrooms will have one less student. Unless, I guess, she's replaced. Now, this comes on the heels of, you know, tons of rumors swirling around. Mm -hmm. If you're a Euphoria fan like me, then you know that it has been no secret that she allegedly has not been getting along with Sam Levinson, who is like the show's uh, creator and director. Director, Mm -hmm. yes. But she took to her Instagram story and she wrote, after four years of getting to embody the most special and enigmatic character, Kat... I'm having to say a very teary-eyed goodbye. I hope many of you could see yourself in her like I did and that she brought you joy to see her journey into the character she is today. I put all my care and love into her and I hope you guys could feel it. Love Mm. you, Catherine Hernandez. Kat was such a groundbreaking character just for her representation alone. She was a girl who was more fuller figured. She was confident. She was in charge. She was a part of the, the circle. Like She was a fuller figured character on TV that was not made to be ostracized or mm. othered. Like no, she, she was just Kat. And she was great and I loved her attitude out of all the, the Euphoria characters. Kat was my kind of girl. So it sucks to see her go. I want to see Barbie do other things. I, I'm really such a fan of her acting and, and how she... Uh, you know, does her storytelling, but that is the T report for this hour. I know I'm upset as well. I can hear you all, even though I can't hear you all. I can hear you all. I'm upset as well. Stick around. That's the t- that, well. That's the T report for this hour. Coming up next hour, find out which Netflix star has a summer job that's a bit unconventional. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Well, next up, under the Trump administration, DACA was in danger. Now Biden is working to codify it. Uh, more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Biden administration released a final rule to codify the Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, otherwise known as DACA. 
The regulation takes effect on October 31st, and the program currently offers work permits and protection for deportation to more than 600,000 undocumented immigrants. Joining us right now is Michelle Hackman, a reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. I mean, this seems to be in response to all these other things that are so important to us, whether it be... Uh, you know, uh, abortion, uh, reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, including this, that the administration is trying to get under control before, I would say, the midterms or things get worse, right? Is that is that the mm-hmm. right thing to say? Yeah, I think actually, you know, there there is time pressure on DACA, but it's actually in this case not from the midterms. It's a looming legal challenge from the state of Texas that is trying to invalidate DACA on the grounds that Congress didn't have, didn't give, you know, the president the authority basically to give deportation protections to such a large group of people, namely DREAMers. Um, and that specifically the way that President Obama issued DACA was improper because he just basically wrote a memo, published it, boom, DACA was created. Is there any way that, you know, given all that's going on, Will we be able to come to the table about this, you know, with as far as like a bipartisan effort to ensure that, you know, people that are under DACA are fully protected? It's a good question. And I think that the answer is, honestly, you never know until you know. I mean, right now it looks pretty unlikely because Republicans feel like they have the upper hand on immigration right now. Right. You know, they know that there is a looming court decision that could invalidate DACA, could end the program. And Democrats are desperate, you know, to create a path to citizenship for dreamers. And so Republicans, you know, you know, they see what's happening at the border and they say, well, okay, well, here's our price. And and I think the the price is pretty high for Democrats. And so, uh, you know, I think it remains to be seen what kind of deal is possible and what timing would be possible. Yeah. And with this, I mean, would it make it so that if someone else came into office, perhaps a Trumpian vibe um, or someone that was against, obviously, undocumented immigrants or immigration reform, if this is codified, does that mean, okay, they can't go backwards with it? It does protect these 600,000 individuals? So, yeah, it's, it's a great question. That is the idea of turning DACA into a regulation as opposed to having it stay on that piece of paper on that memo that it's much harder to rescind however you know this case is in front of the circuit court right now in louise in new orleans it's probably going to go to the supreme court if either of those courts decides daca is just you know illegal it doesn't matter how it's been issued mm-hmm. i'm wondering how you know anything surrounding daca could possibly affect other people that are, you know, that are immigrating to the United States in various forms? Like, will this be a domino effect or does this just only apply to DACA recipients? It only applies to DACA recipients. And I really should emphasize that DACA, you know, it's this program that we know and love. It's 10 years old now, which means the dreamers of 10 years ago are now in their 30s, you know, up to maybe age 39 even. And there are a lot of people who you would look at and you would say, wow, they meet the definition of dreamer. You know, maybe they came to this country in 2008 when they were two years old. But actually, they're too they're too young for DACA because Mm. DACA is an old program. Oh, wow. So what happens to folks now who aren't part of the program? They have no protection. 
Oh, well, will that change? Like, is, is uh, Biden going to try to change that? The administration decided that in order to protect DACA, they weren't going to try to expand the eligibility because that would create a new way to challenge the program. Wow. I mean, I guess you take some, you leave some. I mean, this it's really unfortunate because that's going to continue being an issue. I mean, and, and wasn't VP Kamala Harris supposed to be, I know, leading the efforts at the border, border, but that would impact these things. Is that right? Well, I think Kamala Harris uh, was charged with attempting to uh, come up with what, what they're calling sort of root cause solutions. You know, how to make life in Guatemala better so that people actually won't leave Guatemala and try to come here, maybe bring their children. Mm. Um, I think DACA is a somewhat separate issue just because, again, it is so time limited. You can't really say, oh, bring your kid here and they'll qualify for DACA. I mean, clearly DACA is this time limited thing that's now getting older and older. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for explaining all that to us. That was Michelle Hackman, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Well, coming up, who benefits the most from Biden's debt forgiveness? Find out. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It was just yesterday that President Biden announced a plan to offer student loan relief to more than 40 million people, which could have life-changing ramifications for borrowers. But who benefits the most and why? Here to help us break it all down is Nadra Niddle, education reporter at The 19th. Hi, Nadra. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the show. So I have to know, with Biden's new plan that was just introduced yesterday, who benefits the most? Well, I wrote an article arguing that women, especially women of color, will really benefit from Biden's loan forgiveness because they hold more debt than other groups of people do. Okay, well, so... That's I mean, that's amazing that they're going to benefit more off of this. But um, talk about the nuances of this and how it's impacted these communities in a systemic way. And will this finally change that? Yeah, so I don't know if this is finally going to change some of the financial barriers that um, women and, and women of color in particular face. But um of all women um, hold two-thirds of all student loan debt that's out there. So that's one of the reasons that I argue that they will benefit from relief. Um, Black women in particular um, have more student loan debt than white women, um, Latinas, Asian American women a year after college graduation, and so do Pacific Islander um, Native Hawaiian women and, and Native American women. They all owe um, several thousand dollars more um, than your average borrower, borrower with student loans. I'm interested in knowing if you could expand on as to why that is. Is it maybe because black women pursue uh, higher education and go off to get master's degrees? And as we've seen statistics come out, I've I've personally seen different types of articles come out about how black women are kind of leading the charge in higher education. I mean, no pun intended. But is it because black women (laughs) are, uh, you know, seeking, you know, additional degrees? Yeah, increasingly black women... um, have not only pursued college degrees, but yes, they are going to um, graduate school for master's degrees, for PhDs. And because of that, 
uh, they're accumulating more student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in this group of women, you know, they may be the first people in their college, I mean, in their family is going to college, or especially um, some of the first people in their families to get these advanced degrees. But when women go to graduate school, um, black women and, and all women, frankly, when they go to graduate school, um, their student loan debt ends up being at least $55,000, according to the American Association of University Women, while the average person with student loan debt has somewhere over 30000 so, and, and black women, once they um, get a graduate degree, they have around $75,000 in student loan debt. Wow. Um, not to mention, you know, the interest that accrues over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to impact um, how how that group possibly votes for the midterms? Like, will they see that, may, oh, uh, black women are being supported, right? And so they should be voting Democrat for Biden. Yeah, I mean, and black women traditionally do vote Democrat and and black women heavily supported Biden, um, not just in the presidential election, but even during the primaries. So uh, their support of Biden really changed, um, you know, the field of Democrats and kind of made Biden the front runner. So the fact that he provided student loan relief, he appointed the first black woman to the Supreme Court and chose you know, a a half black woman to be the vice president. I think these are all ways that black women um, feel represented and and feel supported that Biden has really followed through on his promises to them. Yeah, I was about to interject and say, oh, yes. But when political conversations come in, they always say follow black women (laughs) because black women try to tell you. Um, I'm interested in knowing moving forward uh, as as uh, this the as the debt keeps being you know acquired and accumulated but also still relieved will we also see greater i know that black women are on par to benefit the most but will we see uh greater amounts maybe like i know that this is you know 10k will we see possibly it expounded on or is this going to be the cap do you think I mean, my understanding right now, this this is a one-time relief plan, but I would say the other thing he's doing to benefit um, African Americans is that he made Pell Grant recipients, um, he made their relief $20,000, and black students are twice as likely um, as their white counterparts to be Pell Grant recipients. And so for some people, $20,000 um, you know, is going to wipe out their debt entirely. And in fact, I, I interviewed um, a black Latina for my article on student loans um, whose debt was wiped out as a result of um, this relief program. Wow. Well, Nadra, I want to thank you so much for joining us today for this segment. It's very inf- informative and educational. As a black woman done. with student loan debt, this is helpful. I, I like learning these things. Uh, again, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Again, that's Nadra Niddle, education reporter at the 19th. All right. Well, coming up on the show, this bartender is sharing five things to never do at a bar to look out for before grabbing that drink after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q well what do you really need to know about bars in terms of like what you should be 
should be doing and should not be doing. Uh, well, this bartender who's been working for 19 years in the industry on TikTok shared her do's and don'ts for bar attendees. Mm, okay. And it is really fascinating stuff. And basically, she talked about a bunch of things. One, the bar cleanliness. Do you ever go to a bar and you see it's dirty, maintained, under-maintained? You might think, oh, this is a dive bar. It's got character. That's not my ministry. It never <laughs> has been. Um, <laughs> I will say that, you know, when I was in my 20s and my early 20s, and was partying a lot. I would judge a bar. You know, you walk in the floor sticky. It's kind of like, eh. But now I don't. I don't do things like that. The bar has to be clean. I need, to, especially yep. in the in the name of the monkeypox and coronavirus. Oh I need to feel like the bar is sterile. Actually, so oh. no, I don't play See, those like, games. See, like I don't between. I don't want it to feel dirty. There's something to be said about, you know, some bars that have been around, have a little character. But she says that it could mean that they're not maintaining their taps or pretty much anything. That your draft beer could be coming into contact with uh, dust and mold. Oh, well, that's not my problem either because I'm not a beer drinker. Never liked beer. But for those people But I do like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like like a nice hotel bar. I like, I like... I like nice bars. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you end up in a, a small town or area where that's not the case. You know, her second tip contains uh, a warning about batch cocktails. You know, cocktails that are made uh, in mass and then given to customers. She said that not only are these machines not cleaned as often as they should be, but they can also be marketed deceptively. If they're a- advertising that they have like a Patron Margarita then she, she it's goes, only required that they put one bottle of Patron in the entire batch so that's to, not in order to label it. No, if they're making a vat oh. of margarita and they put one bottle of Patron in, How they can they? still market it as a Patron margarita. That is horrible. And so it makes it almost makes me think about uh, New Orleans. I'll be there in a few weeks. In New Orleans, in the French Quarter, they have all these different types of bars and places where they have like the the icy version yeah. of of drinks. And I always add an extra shot to them. All you need anyway. is the orange one. Uh, the good. third tip is it, the cleanliness of the fruit served with drinks. Don't put the fruit that's on the side of your glass Ooh. into your actual drink. I've Shut done. Up. No, I've done that before. I have too. I've done that before. Shout out to Dorit from Beverly Hills Housewives who gets three lemons in her vodka sodas. Car- no carcass, carcass removed, and that no. just means take the take the the peeling off. <laughs> yeah, it's not clean. Uh, she says the alcohol level in average cocktail isn't enough to sterilize it. Oh, oh. that makes my stomach turn because that's always the excuse. Like I'm having a vodka, of course it's going to be clean. You know what? And then I get. Um, I get dirty martinis, so I do get the olives. So I'm assuming it's the Me same too. thing. Me too. I, I but, get you know, dirty martinis. That goes in a, in a vodka. I yeah. feel like there's enough in a vodka. There's drink. definitely enough vodka in a martini okay. to clean an olive. Uh, another tip. She's cautioning customers to be kind to their servers. Says she's seen servers intentionally mess up orders for rude customers. Now that shouldn't even have to be included in here. People stop being, you know, jerks. Of course, you're you're nice to the people who are. I hope you'd be nice to the person handling your food and beverage. (laughs) And this is the final one, and this is actually really important. She said not to leave your drink unattended. She warns that she's seen many people spike drinks creatively, and one must be very cautious with their drink when enjoying it at a busy bar. You know, I've seen a lot of people put napkins on their drink even though if you're gone you could kind of slip something you never leave your drink unattended if I have to go to the restroom my cocktail's coming with me I never leave my drink unattended and it sucks that this still has to be said because how many more stories have to come out of you know Law and Order SVU and local news for you to know not to leave your drink unattended yep well so thank you to her for all these great tips some of them I knew some of them I was like oh not surprising but some of them were common sense but I was really shocked about the the Patron one like if they say like this this 
this cocktail is made yep. with Tito's vodka. The whole batch only requires one bottle. How dare they? To be labeled that. That is wild. It should be illegal. Makes me think of chilies. <laughs> yeah. You know you get the margaritas from chilies. <laughs> well, next up, you may catch the Stranger Things star at your local pool. More in the Tea Report after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, we are back. It's Shira. Ryan is out and Shar is hanging out all week long with me. Yes, and I can't help but think, you know, while the music was just playing, we were all talking about childhood memories mm-hmm. unlocked by different foods and things. That was a segment within itself. We should have recorded that Sorry. And, th- and slapped it on air. Maybe we will. <laughs> we'll do it again. But yes, here we are. In August. I know. I'm here. Ryan's in New Again, York. Char always with the uh, timestamps. Because I'm, listen, the rent is due. My car <laughs> note is due. They're already in my yeah. email inbox saying, you got 48 hours. Oh, wow. It's due. Yeah, it's yeah, due. Got it. Who's looking forward to that? I hate adulting sometimes. Totally. It's a learning curve, a long learning curve. Uh, coming up, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered child welfare officials to investigate parents of trans kids. Ugh, more in 30 minutes on the latest. Plus, a Netflix star who has a unique side gig. Shara's got that in the tea report in a moment. Yep. Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Uh, we didn't need this from this person, but former Republican California gubernatorial candidate and reality star Caitlyn Jenner has taken a hard stance against trans girls and women's 
participating in sports as their gender identity. Girl. Uh, but apparently there's a big exception for Jenner, and that is golf, which happens, of course, to be her sport of choice. Are the rules sound? Um, I would say yes. The LPGA is a different, uh, different sport. Um, I've been very consistent with how I've tried to approach this uh, transgender athletes. Uh, it really depends on the sport. Uh, every sport is different. Uh, obviously, we saw with Leah Thomas, she had gone through male puberty, bigger cardiovascular system. It just wasn't fair. Okay, uh, Caitlin, people could argue certain things about, you know, your your swing and your shoulders. Like, there's all different types of transphobia that can be laced when, in, in the sports conversation. And you give yourself a pass because yeah. you like women's golf. <laughs> exactly. It works for her. Yeah, Caitlin's the only woman that, that's a trans woman. Everybody else isn't a trans woman mm. in her eyes. She's the only one that gets to... to to, I guess, journey through womanhood. Everyone else has to suffer. And have this megaphone, unfortunately. Well, like most Republicans. Yeah. You know, make exceptions. for They're the exception to the rule. Exactly. Moving on to uh, more news coming out of California. The California Air Resources Board will vote today on a rule requiring all new vehicles to be fossil fuel free by 2035. The widely expected move comes after Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order in 2020 calling for this goal. More on this and the impact it will have on the country as a whole in 15 minutes. Hey, I'm already good. You know, I'm a hybrid girl. I know. It's so wild to think about. That's in less than 15 years. Let's make it happen. Let's put some goals out there. Manifestation. I wonder how this will affect people who are un in underserved communities. Well, they'll have to do something about that. And then it's like it it's going to impact. A, a because long I'm thinking about like the price. Like what if people. you what if you are, you know, not doing well financially and you need a new car. Your car just broke down and you need a new car. And they're saying the only car we can offer you is one that's not ran on gas. How then does that affect yeah, your Yeah, it'll be an income? interesting thing that will need to happen. I don't know. So we'll, we'll talk more about that mm -hmm. soon. Uh, and that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? So this is so wild to me, especially in the name of, you know, the T report I did a few weeks ago with Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria saying that, you know, she can really go six months, you know, hanging out because her finances It's not her fault. It's just the, the industry yeah. and about how things, you know, I guess filter in and out financially. But Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things, who was also in the news a few weeks ago was saying his character is gay. Um, you might see him working at your local pool or his local pool rather he just did a, a recent interview uh with flaunt magazine and he said he doesn't necessarily need the summer gig of course but he works as a lifeguard just you know to hang around and pay the bills and he wants the normal quote-unquote teenage summer experience what are your thoughts on this it's cute although you know he probably has a lot of attention Right. And see, I don't find it cute because the way I see it is he's taking a job from a teen who needs it. Oh. <laughs> like you're, you're you an never actor. Know. Maybe he needs some extra money. But he also wants to like. I, he I, said he doesn't need it. This is I oh. just read the quote. He doesn't necessarily so, he, need what, the summer gig. But he you know, I think that we call out actors who don't live a normal life. And then finally someone gets wants to live a normal life. And it's we don't want them to. Well, no, you can live a normal life without taking up space. I know that that might be an unusual concept, but maybe he's not getting paid can. and he's just doing it. No, he's getting paid because he says he's paying the bills. So, I mean, it, listen, it's give and take. We love humility, but I also wonder how that works with like security. Like you, a random Joe Schmo, your boss has your social security number and all this stuff. Like you're a, a Hollywood well, star. Well, that's the thing. It's more like it, like, yeah, I said the attention he's getting. One, he's probably 
definitely getting uh, dates. That's for sure. Well, you know people are fake drowning. So he can so he oh, can yeah. jump in some and some CPR, some CPR right? with Noah Schnapp. Uh, so it's cute. I mean, if it keeps him grounded, we can agree to disagree because I don't Fine. find it cute. Okay, that's Fine. the T report for this hour. You all want to stick around? I got more for you next hour. Well, next up, California is one step closer to banning gas vehicles, and it's coming sooner than you think. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, California seems to be moving closer to banning the sale of new cars running only on gasoline by 2035. And it's a major step towards fighting climate change. So here to share more and just help us navigate this is Wylam Weiss, former aide to the mayor of Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us. I love having you on. It's been a while. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I know it has been quite a while. <laughs> so uh, tell us more about, you know, what you think of this decision, how smart and realistic it is. Um, yes, there's there's obviously going to be some complications moving forward, but ultimately this is a huge move, not just for the state of California uh, in terms of health, quality, and environment, but really for the United States as a whole. California equates to almost 30% of the vehicle market in the United States. And more importantly, the largest amount of emissions in the state of California comes from the vehicles themselves. So this is a huge step toward really combating uh, global warming in itself as entirety. Um, because we all can now testify to that you can't avoid the realities anymore. Global warming is here, climate change is here, and it's not just a California problem anymore. It is a nationwide problem. It's also a global problem now. Absolutely. And even, you know, with even taking climate change into account, you know, there's always been this infamous hashtag, L.A. smog. We've all seen it. We've all thought it was fog, but we know the air is got some funky stuff in it. How will this affect, I guess, how air is regulated and would will smog tests still be a thing? Well, let's be aware that this new regulation, which uh, the California Board of Air Resources actually just voted on, will only affect new vehicles, all new vehicles sold. Mm. Uh, the, used, the used car sales uh, will not be affected, nor will it ban you from actually owning a gasoline car. But more importantly, it will do a massive impact in terms of health and safety just for California as a whole. Uh, and in fact, a, uh, a nationwide study through the American Lung Association actually stated that by 2035, if California's move would, would continue with this, we could actually see $1.2 trillion just in public health benefits through 2050 and avoid upwards of almost 150,000 premature deaths because of better quality air. Wow. So uh, overall, this could be a huge impact, not just for the in general environment, but also just for, just for the city of Los Angeles, which again, yes, as you said, is notorious for its small problems. Yeah. What about accessibility? We talked about this, you know, for those who can't afford an electric car, right? Like, what are they supposed to do? Obviously, they're not, it's not going to like, you know, it's going to be new sales of cards. They could probably get a used car. But how do you think the state is intending to make this more accessible for those who don't have the money to buy something new? Well, the state of California in itself is also working on making tax rebates and credits for all its citizens who want to continue to buy a new car, preferably obviously one that's also electric. But also, let's remember that the Inflation Reduction Act recently passed by the Biden administration also adds tax credits uh, and tax rebates to many people looking to buy uh, new or even used electric vehicles. So, but yes, there there will be some caveats there, and it's based on uh, income and which models they can qualify. But overall, 
as this process continues, we will continue to add more uh, tax rebates or incentives to get people to buy electric vehicles. Plus, let's also mention that as the time goes on, if we can add more electric vehicles to the new use, to the new car market, we can try to start bringing prices down to make it more affordable. Right now, cars, electric lift vehicles only make up about 5% of total sales of all cars across the United States. Now, if we can start getting states to get on board to start selling or start mandating more electric vehicles, we can start increasing supply versus demand. And that would definitely bring the prices down electric vehicles. I'm also interested in knowing because, you know, there's about 15 states that are expected to follow suit, you know, with under the same vein of, as far as getting rid of gas cars. What does that mean for the United States and climate control? Well, this is actually a huge step. Uh, California had a little bit of a setback a while back. California actually is allowed to have its own emission standards because of the fact of our, mar- of our large vehicle market. Uh, and Biden just recently reinstated that regulation allowing for that. The fact that California is instituting this and now you possibly have 13 states that are going to follow California's leadership can be huge. Automakers want uniformity. They don't want to have to sell different cars in different states. So if we can start at least with now these 13 to 15 states going on. Overall, this can start setting a standard and a trend across the country that will actually start pushing for more electric vehicles or even possibly hydrogen. Let's not forget, it's all about zero emissions. It can be any type of vehicle, really, that just provides zero emissions out of its tailpipe. All right. Well, that was Wyla Moist, former aide to the mayor of L.A. You're great. Hope to catch up soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. Coming up next, Governor Greg Abbott ordered child welfare officials to investigate parents of trans kids. It just gets seemingly worse and worse. We're going to dive into that coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, it was just back in February when Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered child welfare officials to investigate parents of trans kids as possible abusers. Well, since then, there's been a whole smoking gun to kind of hit the internet as far as what do those officials really think about the governor's orders? Mm. Here to break it all down is, I guess, the woman responsible, Samantha Michaels, reporter at Mother Jones. Hi, Samantha. Hi, thanks so much for having me on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. So, Samantha, I know that there was a leak that happened of internal emails and and kind of exposed how people really felt about this behind the scenes. Walk us through exactly what's happened. Sure. Um, so after the governor um, ordered the child welfare agency to investigate, uh, you know, families with transgender kids, um, Myself and I think some other journalists at other news agencies put in a public records request, uh, basically asking for communications at the child welfare agency to see, you know, what officials there were saying behind the scenes about this order. Um, And so those documents were released last week, um, hundreds of pages of internal emails between uh, child welfare officials And it appears that when the governor's order to investigate these families first came down, at least some of the officials at the Child Welfare Agency were pretty outraged um, and shocked. Um, And, you know, they were ordered from up above not to, to, you know, express their feelings in writing, not to share anything on social media, not to share anything in text or emails. But at least a handful of them did share their thoughts in emails and were quite upset about the order. And, and then when it came out, what happened? 
uh, when the emails came yeah. out or when when it was clear that people had been talking. Um, well, some some child welfare officials did end up resigning. Um, they just didn't want to be forced to investigate these families. Um, they thought it was wrong. But, uh, you know, these these emails that were sent, it was just it was in February and March um, and in the days after the governor's order. And even despite these protests, the agency went forward and continued to investigate several families with transgender children. Wow. Has there been any sort of, you know, response from Governor Abbott at all as far as this is concerned? Um, I haven't seen a response from the governor as far as these emails um, from child welfare officials uh, showing outrage. Um, as far as I've, I've seen, the governor has kind of just kept plotting, you know, straight ahead um, with his order and, and his conviction that, you know, providing medical care to transgender kids is equivalent to child abuse. And beyond some of these uh, folks who did resign what is the latest since this came out since these emails came out yeah and and this actually like all happened because it's been a few months obviously yeah so um after the governor ordered the child welfare agency to investigate these families the investigation started um anywhere from i've seen between nine and eleven families were put under an investigation um and you know, this sparked a lot of outrage in the state. So the ACLU and various LGBT rights groups like Lambda Legal filed uh, lawsuits and, you know, took the issue to court. And um, over the summer, a court in Texas temporarily put the, the investigations of these families on hold. Um, but the issue is still making its way through the courts. So there hasn't been a final resolution. Yeah, this is so wild. I'm I'm reading on MotherJones.com uh, some of the direct quotes. But you know what, Samantha Michaels, I want to thank you for joining us today. Samantha Michaels, a reporter at Mother Jones, for shedding light on this. It's nice to know that there are people, you know, that are part of the resistance, at least. Because you'd think people would go along to get along. But it's it's nice to see, to read verbatim what, what people's ideas were around his orders. Yeah. Well, next up, could ice cream be healthier than a multi-grain bagel? Yes, we are shifting gears here to lighter fare after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Is ice cream more healthy than eating a bagel? Well, it seems like that might be the case, according to a new study conducted by the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy at Tufts University. Researchers created a food compass, giving foods a 1 through 100 ranking, with 1 being least helpful, 100 being most. Foods were broken also up by beverages, grains, fruits, etc., all the stuff, okay? So, the spectrum is very interesting, and it did show that on the scale, ice cream is more healthy than a bagel. I... <laughs> Part of me isn't necessarily surprised by this when I think about how ice cream is made. Typically, like if you have strawberry ice cream, yeah, it's full of sugar, but there's like milk and strawberries. And even if you have something like a Rocky Road, yeah, it's got sugar, but it's got nuts. And when I think about a bagel, I just think about bread. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of bread, I mean, a lot of bread. Yeah. You know what? So it's so interesting because they have these different categories of like beverages, grains, fruits and all that. So on the beverages side, I found this uh, fascinating. Obviously, the mo- least health healthy is a soft drink, cola. You know, coffee isn't that 
far behind, uh, in front of it. Mm-mm. You know, where is it? Coffee, frozen coffee, non-fat, all that is at number ten versus soft drinks at one. The Coffee's most. At, wait, are we looking at the same thing? Oh, it's, they meant sweet and coffee. Sorry, coffee's 28. at fifty-eight. 58 here. Oh, I need Ryan to see this because Red Bull is at a two. Ryan it's loves a Red Bull. Guess what is the most healthy drink out there? According what to is it? Celery juice. Okay, that does not surprise me. I When I got my juicer for my birthday this year, I was, let me tell you, just shoving celery all up and through there. It's not that bad, but you know, you got to add like some ginger or lemon yeah. or an orange, balance that bittery taste of the celery. You know, grains, I was surprised. Bread and pita is the least healthy, the most healthy Cheerios. Wow. Wow. Okay. Fruits, fruit All dessert right. with cream, obviously. Any That is not healthy. Just because it says it has fruit. A muffin, uh, it comes in in the middle. And a Nutri-Grain bar, all of that stuff. Grape nuts, oatmeal, that's pretty much in the middle. Anyway, I just found this really interesting, um, and it really gives you a sense of why I guess it's healthy or not healthy. Oh, for fruit. Guess what is is the most healthy for fruit? Well, that came in with 100 points. um, Watermelon. Raw apricot. Oh. And at the least is fruit dessert with cream and or pudding. But then cherry, well, cherry, what's the, you know, the nasty cherries. That are Tart? like candy. No, they're like candied, oh, yeah. and you bite them, and they got the white stuff. That's cherry. not a real cherry. That is just no cherry maraschino. Like what you put on a, um, a a banana split. Yeah, yeah. Maraschino cherries. Yes, thank you. Then candied apples. Yeah, anything candied is not healthy. I'm trying to see what is not. <laughs> but overall. Yeah. I guess the lesson here, one, you could go to uh, the study at sites.tufts.edu slash food compass. Wait, guess what for meat before we get out of here? We're for <laughs> seafood, dairy, and meat. Guess what came in the least? I'm not going to look. Um, least healthy? Yeah, for meat, oh, dairy, probably and steak, seafood. steak, some sort of steak. Or like, no. no, no, pork, like, or some sort of pork thing. Beef hot dogs. Yeah, hot dogs so are So I disgusting. could only imagine where pork hot dogs are. And it, the most healthy, of course, is broiled salmon, of course. Yeah, this is fascinating. I'm all up in here. Yeah, now we're all we're just like overanalyzing this right now. <laughs> okay, well, next up, what this former GOP candidate says will protect kids from school shooters. Oh, God. Okay, do we want to hear his advice next? <sighs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yes, we're back. It's Shira. Ryan is out, and Shar has been hanging out with me all week long. Yeah. It's been fun. 
Mm-hmm. And stick around for more music on Channel Q. No, it's an inside joke, but I'll, I'll let the oh, listeners. Oh yeah, I'll let oh, the I listeners know what in it is. on. I was even Shira late to has that. left me for dead <laughs> on air a million oh, you see, and I one times. I gave you a snort. You know, no, I think it's funny when I give you a snort a million and one times. So I let her say what she had to say, and I had no reaction on purpose, so she could have a taste of her own medicine. Oh my God, I'm feeling it. Are you? I need to leave for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Take a beat. You just take it from here, Char. No. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be your dream? <laughs> take it from here. Okay, well, coming up, traveling solo, why you should or shouldn't do it in 30 minutes. Uh, plus, Shaq is doubling down on a certain theory of his. It's, it's pretty wild, but that's uh, coming up in the T-Report. I'm scared because I'm supposed to work with Shaq on something soon. Well, you know I have a theory since we're sharing theories about every man that you work with. Or every Sorry, man that you're attached to. again. <laughs> what? If that you they're all, problematic? Yep. In some way, shape, or form. God. If you all want to know more, tune into my Instagram live tomorrow morning. We're taking what? a deep dive into, into Shira Lazar. Can I be there for it? <laughs> nope. Okay. This is, an, wow. this is an investigative report, my friend. Oh, all right. Let's get into <laughs> some what's trending this hour right now. Uh, the Joint Council for Qualifications known as JCQ, a membership organization comprised of the eight largest providers of qualifications in the UK, currently breaks down exam results by binary gender categories. However, a spokesman for the JCQ said in a statement that it was looking at adding in a new marker for non-binary youths in future breakdowns. A spokesman for the exam board said it had started the process of updating its systems to collect data for non-binary students, meaning... Future exam result reports will be more representative of the students with different gender identities. Mm. I wonder if we do that with STS, SATs. <laughs> I almost said girl, STDs. Where are you going with this? SATs. I always forgot what it was. Did uh, it? You all took the SAT in Montreal? You don't need to for Canadian college. We have other entrance exams, mm-hmm. but I took an SAT to go to an American university. Okay. Or, yeah, college. Did you have to take one in Chicago? Yeah. We I took didn't, the we didn't do that. ACT. I took the ACT. That was the only one that was required. And I took the the SAT. I think standardized testing is well. I have theories. It's it's just dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. Moving on to failed just re- fill in letter C. <laughs> and go on about your day. Uh, failed Republican candidate and right wing pundit Diana Lorraine argued that elementary school children should be armed so that they can fight school shooters. Uh, and continued ridiculousness. Here she is making her argument on her Shots Fired podcast. Sorry, but I want to teach my son how to handle a gun. I want to teach my son how to intelligently use guns and operate them because there is going to be a threat someday and they're going to be in danger someday. And I want them to be able to protect themselves, not have to just wear bulletproof vest and a hat. Uh, No, I want them to be able to actually protect themselves against real threats and kick some out there and maybe intervene when a school shooter comes and shoots their I don't want them to go to school defenseless or scared. I want them to be able to know how to protect themselves and arm our children. I mean, and and have them learn how to protect themselves. That's what's going to stop shooters. That's what's going (laughs) to... I find it wild that she is like affirming there is going to be a threat someday. There is like, how do you comfortably sit up there and say, I mean, everything that she just said was just totally ridiculous to me. But I'm so sick of the political and emotional gaslighting that comes from these discussions and these types of people are part of that political party. I don't even know if I have anything left for them. It's just utterly ridiculous. It it doesn't make sense. It's literally you can't make sense out of nonsense. Hey, you need a T-shirt. 
please don't steal that and put that on any t-shirts. Don't take that I'll to share Burning Man the with revenue you. with you. Because you already <laughs> took Space and Grace from Takiya Nicole Robinson. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. What? Yes. My friend Kia and Jade say Space and Grace. I oh. said it around Ryan. Ryan said it oh. around you. And now it's a snowball around oh this station. Oh, my see. Yeah, it's one person not giving credit. Anyway. Okay. Finally. <laughs> We talked about the LGBTQ victories and losses in New York as a result of Tuesday's primaries, but massive victories came out of Florida as seven openly LGBTQ plus candidates running for state house or Senate seats have won their primaries, advancing to November's general election where voters will decide whether to triple LGBTQ plus representation in the state legislature. I mean, they gave them enough incentive to um, run. It seems you just need to take away all rights and then finally people show up. Oh, yes. It is a good thing. It is. All right. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? So Shaq, I would imagine, is is joking. I, I, he said this with a little bit of, uh, of jest in his voice, in my uh, humble opinion. But he still isn't convinced that the earth is round. Oh, my gosh. He's one of those types Stop. now. Shaq! Uh, Shaq was recently on the Kyle and Jackie O show, which is a podcast. And he was asked if he stood by the comments he made back in 2017, five years ago, by the way, 2017, about the earth being flat. He said, it's just a theory. It's a theory. They teach us a lot of things. He also went on to say... He uh, said that he, on a recent flight from Australia to the U.S., he used this as an example to bolster his scientific theories. He said he flew 20 hours and not once did his plane go this way. And the this way was he gestured like diagonally, like he took his hand. He said, I flew straight. All right. I'm officially. He said he didn't tip uh, over, didn't go upside down. No, I'm going to officially bring Shaq together with um, Bill Nye. I think we need to do a video where they are together and Bill Nye explains about the Earth being round. Or NASA. Let's bring him to NASA. I'm going to bring him to JPL, which is right here in Pasadena. And we're going to do a tour of JPL with Shaq and teach him that the world the world is round. Well, Wouldn't that be an amazing video, by the way? Okay, sure. Always thinking of content. Radio host <laughs> Kyle inquired how someone could basically fly to the other side of the world in different directions. And Shaq replied, it's still a straight line. You don't go under. You know, we just going to keep Shaq lifted in prayer. By the way, shout out to Shawnee O'Neal, his ex-wife. I've worked with her and I really enjoy her. That's the T-Report for this hour. You want to stick around because next hour I have not one but two headlines coming up out of the Law & Order multiverse for you coming up in the T-Report. Okay. I would like to add one more thing about Shaq. Oh, yes. Go um, ahead. He was also in the headlines because he was just flat out hitting on a radio host in Australia and very clearly made her uncomfortable. Was so, this the trip he just came back from? Probably. Oh, I want to <laughs> see this. So just keep your eye out, Shira. Oh, That's all I'm saying. Oh. Well, you know what? I've interviewed Shaq before. I'm a Shaq fan. And he's a cutie. He, I mean, at least I, doesn't he, give him pick, a pass. he pick, you know, it's because a lot of us have allowed him just to be Shaq. Like he literally picks you up. He's known to pick you up. To show like he could pick you up. I have multiple pictures of him picking me up at, during our interviews. I'm, sh- I'm sure. Anyway, moving on. I hope whoever he interacts with, though, feels okay and safe. Let's move on to our next segment. Many of us live in a commuter society. How is that deteriorating our friendships, though, after this? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. If you pay attention, you might notice that most of our American cities and suburbs are built for cars and not for walking or serendipitous 
you know, serendipitously meeting people or bumping into people. And that impacts all of us, how we behave with each other and how we feel ourselves. Because we're social people, right? We're meant to be social, but it can be hard, um, you know, to be social when our cities are not made for that. And this is something that was just covered in an article in Vox um, by future perfect fellow Muiz Octor, who joins us right now. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, because I think this is a really interesting um, topic, right, and conversation to be had. What led you to want to cover this issue? Honestly, I think it was really just intuitive for me. I'm from Houston, uh, born and raised here. It's just, you know, the poster child for urban sprawl, big highways, uh, super long streets that are really spread out. There are places where there are barely like side, any sidewalks at all. And it's just like, it's not meant to be traversed on foot. So it's just like, I think just growing up in that kind of environment and then going somewhere where it wasn't like that and then coming back, it just really clicked into place. Like, oh God, I have to drive an hour to get anywhere. That's weird. Why do I have to do that? And so I think it's kind of went from there. It's often said that, you know, L.A. is a very lonely city, which it can be. And as I was reading your piece, I was thinking about a conversation that frequently bubbles up about how, um, like, New York, the great equalizer is the subway mm-hmm. and people are able to connect with people more because we're all on this subway versus L.A. where everyone's in cars. I'm interested in knowing if the study uh, reflected anything about that, like cities that are designed like New York, like Chicago, like D.C., where there's a booming metro system where people are amongst one another versus like an L.A. or a Seattle or what have you when you're in a car or Houston. Yeah, no, I think there's uh, data in different studies uh, to suggest that, like, density. It's not just the fact that they're public transit, right? It's the fact that they're built closer together. Like, I know in L.A., for example, y'all have a subway. But at the end of the day, it seems like most people, it's just really spread out. And most people, you're really just going to get in a car to go anywhere. It really matters that if you go outside where you live, like, you can walk to the grocery store, you can you can uh, walk to public transit, you can... You can do these things because then it just really allows you to spontaneously run into people. I think, like, people romanticize things like, you know, the college experience or going to a place like Disneyland, for example, because it is walkable. It's super easy to do anything. You don't need to get a car. It's seamless and spontaneous. And I think the truth is that most cities outside of places like D.C. or New York, cities have been built up to not be like that. Definitely. And how bad are these environments? Like, I I think it, it could impact us on so many levels. Yeah, so there's a lot of different factors. Like, you know, there's been plenty of research done to just the physical effects of this, like, uh, not just, like, you know, driving continuously, it, like, leads to a more inactive lifestyle, so there's physical health effects, but also it, it does, uh, you know, there's a lot of research that's been done on loneliness, like, you know, chronic loneliness is, like, really bad for you, as bad as, like, uh, I don't know the exact uh, phrasing on this, but, you know, like, comparable to things like smoking cigarettes. And so the truth is that you live in an environment where the only way to connect with the people in your life is getting in a car. That really gets to you, and it makes it hard to meet those people. Whereas, like, I imagine, like, it's much easier to have a support system if it's just, like, you know, you go out and you see your neighbors, you can see your family more easily. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I I mentioned this in the article. If I wanted to see my parents, like, if I were to make that walk, like, I'd have to walk for seven hours. Like, in, on Google Maps, it's not even a walking icon. It's, like, the hiking icon. It's mm. really wild. That is 
wild to think about. I'm interested in knowing with this study and, and with your piece how uh, how the loneliness uh, disproportionately affects different groups like children, like the elderly, like those with disabilities. So there were uh, dis- this. Uh, so there, my piece kind of references different studies. Some talking more about the aspects of urban planning. Some talking more about loneliness more broadly. But what I would say regarding children, the elderly, and those with disabilities is like it just comes down to mobility. Especially if you think about children, such in the U.S., like they basically have to be chaperoned. In most of the country, you have to be chaperoned everywhere by parents or adults until you're 16. You have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. For older folks, like this, there can come a time where you just can't drive anymore safely, and so then the same thing happens. But if you're in a place where you can't get around without a car, that can be really isolating, especially. If, uh, and it also just makes it hard to make new friends and keep up with yeah. old friends. How- and finally, just how does this influence how we might look at building cities and even suburbs in the future? Now that we have this awareness, it's like we, we are obviously built this uh, this lack of knowledge, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I want people to take away from this is it's not just like, yeah, there's physical health benefits. There's a lot of benefits to building denser cities, like, you know, cutting down on traffic, that kind of thing. But I think the thing I want people to take away from it, it just fundamentally is just a more socially healthy way to live that you can make more friends you can see people you can connect with people you can be in community i i I think uh, the way for people to think about it is like i think we even sold this idea that the car is freedom and it gives you the freedom to go anywhere but i think we should build a society where true freedom is that you can get out anywhere on your own tv to meet the people that matters in your life all right i guess yeah i guess that's why they say in new york you can trip and fall into fun but in la your fun (laughs) is contingent on who you know oh well, there you go. It's the truth. Yeah, that's true. That was Muiz Akhtar, a future perfect fellow. Uh, check out their piece about this in Vox.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, coming up, traveling solo. Uh-oh, I have a trip to New Orleans coming up. Why you should or shouldn't do it? Nope. Stick around. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, Shira, I yeah. have an upcoming trip, and I know that you have one, too. Do you care to disclose what you're doing or where you're going? I'm heading to Burning Man for a few days next week. Which you educated me on is it's a charitable thing. I never a knew char- that. It's a 501c3. Yeah, it's set up as that. Yeah, yeah, it's a set up as that. I just thought Burning Man was always just people gathering in the desert to do God knows what. Yep, to come together <laughs> to to test out, experiment with a new way of building community. Well, when you travel, are you someone who is a bit of an adrenaline junkie, or do you like to like Ooh, relax? Depends. And- how it depends. I either go for the adventure trip or I go for the chill trip. Really? Right? Yeah, typically. Well, what determines for you? I think it's like, I, I do have those bucket list things, like things I want to accomplish. Like, I went and did, I trekked to Everest Base Camp, for instance, in the Himalayas. That was not a chill trip. That was purely, like, experiential. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. Physically, mentally, spiritually challenging. Growth. And then I go to Kauai, you know, hanging out on the beaches. It's yeah. not the same. You know, one is, like, you're doing, like, I, I'm going to be going to Kilimanjaro next year, for instance. Uh, we're actually adding a chill part to the trip, but the that part is not relaxing. Yeah. It's more just like an experience and challenging. I know people, one of my friends is gearing up to go backpacking in Europe and all of this stuff. Listen, when I go on vacation, for the most part, I don't mind lounging around and things like that, but I am not team nap time. Oh, really? I'm it depends on how I feel. Like sometimes no. if, you, if you're, listen, if you are no. working hard for a chunk of time, sometimes the best 
medicine is just to do nothing for a week. But like somewhere where it's interesting. Doing nothing is different than nap time. Well, that's I am part not, of it. I'm not a part of the nap ministry here at home, much less when You're I'm on vacation. You're not a napper? No, are you kidding me? No, I'm Absolutely not. not. I, I don't nap during the week because I just can't. But on the weekends, I will go for brunch and I will go home and have a nap. Mm-mm, that's not me. I love a good nap. I'm of the I'm of the ministry where you fall asleep when it's time to go to sleep when the sun has set. Because if I take a nap and I wake up and then it's like now my sleep rhythm is thrown off because I'm up till 4 a.m. eating Cheetos and watching okay. True Crime. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I came across this article. Actually, producer Shelby came across this for me. Um and someone listed off, the, the author lists off why she enjoys traveling solo. And so I'm just going to run through a few of these with you. So her first reason is that because she can do things her way. I like doing things yeah. my way, right? Yeah, a lot of people like to, traveling solo for that reason. She said yeah. friends are everywhere. Now, this is where I get a little weird. Not necessarily. The, I mean, you can meet people of, everywhere. In the name of Claire Dane's movie, Broke Down Palace, if you haven't watched it, you gotta okay. watch it. Friends are not everywhere. I don't know if I'm just of the hard news, you know, whatever. You just hear too many crazy stories. Yes, I, I'm not trusting of people. I'm just not trusting of people. And those of you who have seen Broke Down Palace, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These two girls ended up trusting someone and ended up like doing hard labor like in Mongolia in a Mongolian prison for like 12 oh years. I'll tell you about you it on down, break. Downward Pull spiral up the trailer. very quickly. Pull up the trailer. Um, she said she also goes on to say because it shines a light on the kindness of strangers, which I'm still kind of icky about, uh, because it keeps her <laughs> present. I like being present in the moment. I know yeah. that this, you're a fan of this as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's nice when it happens. Happens, right? So what do you do when there's conflict during a trip? I mean, this Amongst is why friends, this is why like I don't you, typically this is why I don't travel in a group. I'm not a group traveler. I like well, more one on one group. Yeah, but I'm going one on one with someone. But yeah, Burning Man, you know, a lot of people talk about how challenging it is, even though it's like this magical experience because you are dealing with a lot of different people with different energies, vibes, like ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of part of like the growth of it is like, how do you maneuver? <laughs> no, growth happens when you're like, we do not, as much as we would like to, we we, we don't live in bubbles. Like we, we some, some of us try to, but like- I imagine it, people that go to Burning Man live in a Burning Man bubble. Yeah, but in that bubble, there's a lot of different types of people. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and even in your quote-unquote camp, like where you're staying, you're going to deal with different people that you don't know, strangers. But I would say, like, I know I'm going with someone. I'm not going with, like, a group of five to ten people. So, like, we'll go and do our own thing within this group, right? Okay. Like, similar, I recently went somewhere for my friend's birthday, right? And that was interesting. I mean, once again, not my ideal way of traveling, but I did it for her birthday, yeah. Uh, otherwise, typically, yeah, I'm more of a it's easier to navigate and go to places and be like spontaneous when you have less people. I, no, I know. Listen, this is why I pushed back, because I just got back from a friend's birthday. We both were in Mexico and that trip had about 12 people. And oh when I God, tell I, you, I, it I was flawless. Good for you. But I went on a trip last year. It was me and three other people. It was four people. And that trip was one of the most chaotic and most dramatic trips I've ever been on. So it, I guess it, but it also, like you said, is a mix of the personalities. We all were pretty much on the same accord in Mexico, and we had a great time. There was not one hiccup, not you. one argument, not, and I think it's because everyone respected everyone's individual autonomy. If you want to get up and hike in the morning, it doesn't have to be a group hike. If it's just three exactly. of you all out of the 12, then you three go and it's do it. It's when everyone's forced to do everything together. Mm-hmm. And no one's forcing me to do anything I don't want to. I'm grown and I pay my taxes. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, coming up, <laughs> what is your favorite childhood food? 
And what does it bring up when you remember that? Or do you eat your like favorite meals again? Sometimes. All right, more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's amazing what could happen when you're like remembering the past, what comes up. You know, we were talking about food and we started talking about our favorite childhood food. And it was just fascinating to hear what everyone ate when they were younger. And I, I also wonder if you still eat those snacks. So, no, this, okay, so producer Shelby and I are both from the Midwest, and we started talking about Hamburger Helper. I did share that we didn't eat a lot of Hamburger Helper growing up, but when I tried to eat it as an adult, all I tasted was salt. Like, I had to throw the whole thing away, and I didn't even add any, like, what I know What is a Hamburger Helper? Food. Hamburger Helper is like this, <laughs> it comes with, it's a box. Okay. And so it's one of those boxed meals and it comes with like bow tie noodles or, or the elbow macaroni. Okay. And it comes with like a seasoning packet and you were supposed to prepare ground beef and then you add like a cup of water, the noodles, and then the seasoning packet, which would make it like cheesy or whatever. You put the lid on and let it simmer and then oh. boom, it's a one pan, you know, 15, 30 minute dish. And of course, you know, in black households, they were chopping up bell peppers and onions and stuff into it. And so we were talking about things like that and and and. And certain things do remind me of like conversations that we've had before is around sensory triggers, not to get too in the weeds with this. But you know how you can smell something and it takes you back to grandma's house. Yeah, of course. Just like you can also smell something and it takes you to one of your worst triggers or you smell a fragrance or a perfume. But for the sake of the conversation with food, it's always like kind of comforting. I do not eat. I eat some of the stuff that I grew up with, like some snacks, but not like. I mean, I was a Happy mm. Meal girl. Obviously not doing that anymore. I just loved when I was sick. My favorite thing was getting the Happy Meal with the relish. And then I was. Yeah, there's that relish. Isn't it on it? There are pickles. The pickles on the burger. Oh, on the burger. On the, Happy Meal burger. We didn't have, I was about to say, we, I didn't know what Canadian No, McDonald's they do put pickles, was. and I love that. And then also the microwave, um, the microwave dinner. Like, I love the TV microwave dinners. dinner. Yeah, I felt like I was so, I don't know, cool having my own little plate that was made for me and going in front of the TV. How it was very salty Mac- and yummy. How very Macaulay Culkin of you. I felt maybe I was trying to. Yeah, do a little Macaulay Culkin. I watched Home Alone a little. Too, See, when too I was sick, it was it was soup time. I wasn't getting a Happy Meal. It was it was definitely time for some. Oh yeah, Campbell's, Campbell's soup, chicken noodle soup. Oh, love that. Anyway, now we're going back. This is like, oh, it's Throwback Thursday. <laughs> you know, it is a throwback. Oh, gosh, but yeah, I'm still the one thing I still eat definitely from when I was younger. Candy. I still love myself some good Twizzlers, Sour Patch Kids. I'm a candy girl too. Uh, Sometimes yeah. now, do you do you like chocolate as well or no? I'm not as much. I was very into Twix growing up, but also Doritos. Like, I'm a chips person. I loved good Doritos. Anyway, I'm probably making you hungry, so I really apologize. I'm more so savory as well, but when it comes to candy, I'm, I'm, it, it takes a special craving for me to want chocolate, because yeah, otherwise, just give me the Sour Patch, yep. the, the, the Lifesavers gummies. So there are certain things I know, especially, I know that you all hate when I bring up 2020, but we're only two years removed, but especially in the name of like lockdown and the pandemic, I was reaching for any and everything that reminded me of when I was 11 years old. Comfort food. It just, yes, it felt, any snack that took me back to a simpler time when I was just, you know, nursing that inner child. I think that's what I feel like about pizza. 
Pizza is that for me. Ugh. See, I don't have that connection. Pizza with some soda. Pizza. Like a, I used to have some soda. Anyway. All right. Well, let us know what your favorite childhood Gumbo. snack is at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Well, this one goes to a couple. Actually, we've had one of the people in the couple Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the show, actor Nico Tortorella. Who is so fine. Oh, my God. They are married to Bethany C. Myers, who I also follow on social media, is all about body empowerment and does like a lot of, uh, has a different workout program and everything. Anyway, if you've been following their life, they've been trying to have a baby, doing IVF and everything. Well, they finally announced today that they are pregnant and their baby is coming around like March 9th. Oh, a Pisces baby. I looked I, when I saw that post, I did go to Nico's page because I do follow them. I don't follow their partner. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, Nico deleted every post off of their page except for the most recent. So I wonder what's going on with that. And uh yeah, we know Nico from Younger, which aired on TV Land actually and starred Hillary Duff as well. So yeah. I can just look at Nico all day. They are very good looking. Mm, just they dreamy. Were, they were in the studio and it was very distracting. You know, they they came here before COVID. We interviewed them. Oh, in 2019? Yes. They came in studio. Yeah. I hate that I missed that day. It was a lot of fun. Are they tall? Yeah, they're just, uh, they're not too short, not too tall. You know what I mean? Like a five, nine. You know, Mark Wahlberg, I thought was going to be taller. I just interviewed him. I thought he was going to be taller, and Mark Wahlberg was like eye to eye with me. Yeah, and I'm five nine. Did I say this yesterday on air? Um, perhaps I can't you remember. Said it, but I, it's, you always forget what you said on air and then off air sometimes. At any rate, we just want to give a huge congratulations to yes. the beautiful couple. We're so happy for them. That's our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. And that also does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow wrapping up the week with you all. We've got the news, we've got the entertainment, great conversation and music for you, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live right here on Channel Q. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So you can go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. What's coming up tomorrow, producer Shelby? Do y'all remember when Lady Gaga said she had a mental orgasm? Well, turns out that's a thing. And we have a doctor coming on to tell us the three steps to have yes, a mental orgasm. Yes! What a way to kick off the Friday Come and the on. weekend. Okay. I, I would just there. like to note this was Shira's request. Just saying, of you're going to thank me later. Okay, we are, of course. we are sending you love and light. And I love us for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 